Welcome to Faith Church Podcast, where we are a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God will impact your life through today's message. Amen. Praise God. Man, I tell you what, ooh, I almost said that with a little bit of Southern accent, didn't I? Praise God. Uh, man, praise God. It's good to be in church this morning. How many of you guys decided to be in church this morning? Let's go. Yes. Woo, there we go. Come on. Hey, man, I tell you, God is so good. And, uh, man, all the time and all the time, God is good. We're going to be churchy today. Let's go. Um, it's okay. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Um, I'll try to define anything I can. But, uh, man, I, before we before we jump into um, uh, some things, there's a, a few things I want to make sure that you guys are aware of, some important changes some important shifts that are taking place uh, at Faith uh, for a handful of reasons, but I want to make sure that you guys capture them, right? So one of them is, I know Jacqueline mentioned it, uh, is that the nursery is moving um, for a couple different reasons, just for size and safety. Uh, we're going to move that back to our kids' area, uh, and we're going to do that starting Palm Sunday, so a few weeks uh, for you guys to uh, get used to that change. But the kids, the, the nursery will be moved back into the kids' area. Um, again, just for pure size and then also uh, for some safety reasons. But uh, also, I just want to mention, for those of you who have kids, I'm going to share with you maybe one of the best-kept secrets of Faith Church, and that is the back parking lot, okay? Uh, it is, in many ways, uh, for two people, really, for those who have kids and for those who need more handicapped space, um, this back entrance here is the best one uh, for those who need handicapped space. But those who have kids, um, the door back in the back corner, so you come around the back, all the way back, you'll see the pavilion. That back corner door is, hands down, the best door for those of you who have kids, because you'll walk in that door, you'll drop off your kids, you'll come over here, um, and it saves you from walking, well, I guess, you know, unless you want to get your steps in, um, you can park in the front and then walk all the way back and all the way forward and all the way back and all the way forward, right? So, um, but for those of you who have kids, that's, that's one of the best kept secrets of this church is the back parking lot. Um, so that it just wanted you to know that makes it easier for you, those of you who are newer to the church and understanding our building. I sometimes forget how large our building is uh, until you, you know, spend some time with somebody who hasn't been in it for a while. Uh, and they're like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, it's a big building. So I don't want you to get lost. I'll also tell you that most of our buildings here are circles. So if you just keep walking, just keep walking, just keep walking. Uh, <laughs> you know, Big Ben Parliament, you know, the, that kind of a thing. But, uh, uh, but anyways, that, that's an important one. Also, for those of you who are inquiring membership, I know uh, traditionally we've been doing membership classes in the morning during Sunday school hour. And I know that's been difficult for, uh, for some families. I just want to encourage you that next Sunday night we are going to do a two and a half hour session in the evenings for those of you who want to be uh, become members here of faith but the three classes during Sunday school don't work for your rhythms uh, some of you guys are serving in ministries those kind of things and so it's hard for you to be there uh, during those classes we're gonna do Sunday night starting at six five starting at five thank you I needed some help on that one starting at five uh, Sunday night next Sunday night so if you're interested you can fill out the 
uh, connect card. You can drop in the box in the back. You can you have the app downloaded. You can register for that. But if you want to become a member of Faith Church, you can do it in one two and a half hour session with me as if you don't hear my voice enough on Sundays. Think of that. How awesome would that? You would hear my voice for up to three hours, three and a half hours. That's fantastic. Uh, now you know what my kids feel like, right? That is, man, what a beautiful thing. Um, but that's an important thing for you um, uh, to just identify and be aware of. But then also, just remind those of you who are interested, we have prayer tonight starting at 5 p.m. here in the sanctuary. So uh, a couple things for you as we jump into our sermon series, the Sermon on the Mount. What a great series. Uh, we've been rolling through. It's going to take us some time to get through this. We understand that the Sermon on the Mount is a very, very important um, teaching that Jesus taught as it relates to how we find and follow Jesus on a regular basis. How do we find and follow Jesus in every area of our life? The Sermon on the Mount, this portion of Scripture has so much to teach us and to show us. and We can learn so much about how to find and follow through this. So we're going to spend some time in this. And uh, I want to encourage you also... As we've minimized a little bit of the notes that are on the screen, just want to encourage you, what I think is most important uh, for you is not to write down everything I say or the things that I think are important, but what I would really encourage you to do is, is to take notes during a service, but uh, to write down what you feel the Lord is telling you. Uh, or even, you know, here's another one. If there's a question that you have, right? If, you, if, you're, if we're going through the service and there's a question, you're like, ah, oh, I want to know more about that. Write that down, and I would encourage you to text any questions you have to our number, 419-664-4555. That's in the bulletin. You can get that number. But you can text questions to that, and we will answer those questions and, and really walk through because it's important for us to not just hear but to understand. And, and I want you to uh, not just to hear me, but I want you to learn how to hear the Lord's voice. And so as we go through the services, I mean, I believe that God will speak to you while you're in a service. And so I want to encourage you to, to, um, to spend some time and, and to write down the things the Lord uh, tells you, okay? Uh, now, I do have to recognize uh, one more thing, if just because it's me. And sorry, I'm so sorry, uh, but I have to be me. But you know me, I'm a basketball fan. And, and can we just say congratulations to the Margarita Lady Bears last night? Come on, with a big win. Reagan, well done. We're so proud of you. They're going to state, they're in the final four. So heading down next weekend, they're playing at state. So, so excited for our Lady Bears. But then also our Sandusky Blue Streaks, our boys team, come on, let's go. They're also, I think, divisional champs, right? So they're moving forward. What? Let's go. How fun is that? So, uh, yeah. Okay, Bible. Um, <laughs> let's go. Let's, but I just want to, man, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so proud of our kids and uh, love seeing them continue to, to, um, to, to, to succeed in those areas. And what a unique opportunity they have to share the gospel in those moments. Uh, I'm just so thankful for that. But let's open our Bibles up to Matthew chapter 5. We're in verse 8 today. Uh, if those of you who are using a few Bible, it is in page 579. Um, but uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 8. Let's go ahead and turn there. Here's what we're going to read. You ready for this one? This is the Beatitude for today. It says this, God blesses those whose hearts are pure. For they will see God. Oh man, what a phrase. 
I'm telling you what, when I look at some of these, um, there's, there's the blessed are those who hearts are pure for why? For they will see God. Man, I want you to know, I love that. To see, think about that phrase. Man, to see God. To see God. Oh, man, to see God. I mean, here at Faith, we talk all the time about being a safe place to find and follow Jesus. I mean, to see God. But you look at this, what's the criteria for seeing God? Is his hearts are pure. And I don't know if you're like me, uh, but when you're like, if you're like me at all, you think, man, I want to see God, but what's, what's the criteria? Like, what's my... What, what do I need to accomplish that as those whose hearts are pure? And if you're like me, uh, I am similar to Isaiah that we read a couple weeks ago, that as soon as I recognize that, I think, oh, well, I'm not going to measure up to that one. That line is just a little bit too high for me. Uh, for, for those whose hearts are pure. I, I think there are moments, like, if, I don't know if you're like me at all, but there are moments when I feel like, man, I've, my heart's pretty pure right now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing, I feel like, man, I feel like I'm, woo, good. I feel like I'm good. I'm, yeah. Like, what? I got this. And as soon as you feel like, I got this, I, then you mess up. You know what I'm saying? And then you're like, oh. And there's this constant cycle. There's this, this you know, merry-go-round type experience uh, that you're like, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. No, I'm not, no, I'm not. Yes, I am, yes, I am. No, I'm not, no, I'm not. Yes, no, yes, no. What's going on? Right? And that's kind of how we go. And look at this. I'm like, but I want to see God, right? I want to see God. Oh, but my heart has to be, oh. I want to walk through this today with you a little bit because I think it's so important for us to understand who God is and, and what God is really trying to communicate to us in this beatitude. And here's a phrase I just want you to, uh, to wrestle with this morning. And the phrase I want you to wrestle with this morning is this. It's that perspective determines what you see. Right? Perspective determines what you see. Isn't that true? I mean, I, uh, in, in so much of our life, sometimes the perspective in which we look at something will really determine what we see and how we see it. Isn't that true? Like our perspective, the, the angle in which we view things or the way in which we view things, if, you know, the, our perspective will determine what we see. I want you to wrestle and just kind of lock that phrase into your heart this morning as we walk through this beatitude that blessed are those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. What you see is affected by your perspective. Your perspective determines what you see. You know, um, I want to share a quick illustration for you this morning. And um, it's, this comes from those who know my childhood uh, or know of me that my story, I tell people, people ask me from time to time, they say, what's it like to pastor in your hometown? And I say, here's what it's like. The testimony is real. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, what it's like is there are people who knew Tommy Grote, and there are people who know Pastor Tom, right? If you've been a part of the church for any, you've heard me shout terrible stories. That, that, the terrible stories, I shared that, that the testimony is real, that God changed my life, 
right? Um, and you can see it, and people will still shake their heads about it. But if I were to go back uh, to my childhood, I could tell so many stories of moments when, when I would get in trouble, right? Have you ever been to a spot where you've gotten in trouble? Let's just go back, rewind to when you were a kid uh, so that the, uh, the distance between those uh, things are too far apart. You can't get in trouble for it anymore. In fact, I said this to my kids recently. There was an event that took place, and I said, I feel like I'm only going to know the truth of what just happened about 15 years from now when you're with your wives and you're over our house for Thanksgiving and one of you tells that story and says, hey, remember when? And you tell the real story, I feel like that's the only time I'm going to find out what really just happened, right? Because nobody here is telling me what really just happened. And I'm okay with it because I trust your good kids, but someday, 15 years from now, when nobody can get in trouble for it, you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's, I feel like that just happened in my home uh, the other day. So, uh, but it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you, you just go back uh, when you're in trouble. And, and I want to ask you, does any, any of you know what, what this is? Yeah, yeah. So here's what, here's <laughs> you know what that is? No. <laughs> so he's like, got some kids in here like, first-hand knowledge, first-hand knowledge. Uh, but this here, I mean, this is, what was interesting today, this was funny to me. I was carrying this into the sanctuary from my office and just carrying it like, a, you know, just a piece of wood. And uh, multiple people said, what's with the paddle? <laughs> Which means they know what this is too. Now, this is, this is actually, this paddle actually um, was sitting, it would sit in our drawer in our kitchen as a kid. This is from my house. My stepmom gave this to me a little while, a couple years ago. Um, and she said, she did, I didn't know who to give this to. So um, we, we did this thing here on the back. It says victim sign here. And so, um, yes, there's signatures on this. I counted them. There are 12 signatures on this. My name is on here seven times. So, so rightfully so, I, I received the paddle as, uh, uh, you know, as something, as a keepsake. For my records. Um, but, uh, and yes, I did sign it Tommy Grote. So this was Tommy Grote, right? Tommy Grote is represented on this paddle. Uh, here's what's interesting about this paddle is that um, we all know what it represents, right? And I can, you know, I don't know how many times, you know, you get in trouble as a kid. Uh, there would be times when, uh, you know, you're like, oh, that's, I'm going to get a paddle for that one, right? And, and immediately when things happen, our heart kind of shifts to that place. You know, I think that so many people uh, see God as an angry parent holding a paddle. I think so often we, we look at God as this parent who is standing there with a paddle. And when you make a mistake ready to unleash punishment on our lives, our life. Um, can I just tell you this morning, that's, that's not who God is. And I, and I want to challenge this this morning because I do believe that a lot of people, whether it's because your background, because of the way you were raised, I don't know. I don't know the reasons of why, but so many people, when you picture God and we say things like purity, 
Or we say things like holiness. Or we say things like righteousness. And I'm going to define some of these terms we used last week today. Sanctification, justification, all these church words that we'll use. But when we say those words, so often because we as human beings have a, have a can I just say the word, that we have a sin tendency that we have struggles in our lives, that as human beings, we are not perfect people. Um, And so those of you who are married know exactly what I'm talking about. You look to your spouse right now and tell them, it's okay, you don't have to be perfect. Now, Mandy is perfect, just for the record. Uh, I am not, but Mandy is, you know. But, uh, But just as human beings, we're not perfect. But the problem for us is when we look at the gospel and we see phrases like, blessed are those who are pure, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. We see this, this line of purity, of holiness. There's a, such a big, strong word. And because we're human beings and because we have sin tendencies and because we've made mistakes in our life, what immediately happens is we have this, this human reaction that says, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. And then we look at God as this angry parent holding a paddle that's ready to give us a a whooping or a spanking, whatever term you want to use. Papa, which one is it? Is it a whooping or a spanking? Because they're different. Both. Okay. Uh, So if you guys don't know, that's a line for Papa. You want a whooping or a spanking. And, uh, but they're the same thing. So whichever one sounds better to you is the one you pick, right? So, uh, but, but the reality, like we, that's, we picture God that way. And I think what happens, because that's the perspective in which we see God, what happens is it, is it really affects the way we see God. Does that make sense to you today? That, that, that we see God as this, this judge that is just waiting for us to make a mistake. And when we make a mistake, well, hmm, what am I going to do with this? How many, <laughs> can I use the word spanking in here? I don't know. <laughs> how many, how many, how, what punishment do you deserve, Right? And I just want to challenge you this morning that there's so much in Scripture that that challenges us toward a lifestyle of holiness or purity. There's so much of Scripture that will push us and encourage us and and really, I'm going to say the word, challenge us to strive for holiness, to strive for purity. I mean, if we go to Psalms chapter 119, verse 9, it's, you know, it's awesome. How can a young person stay pure by obeying your word, right? And you think, oh my goodness, so this is my textbook for life. And the print's small, and there's not very many pictures in this one. You know what I mean? Don't you love books? Sometimes they write books, but they take like their favorite phrases and they make them real big, takes up like half the page, and you can read that page in like 20 seconds because they got this one sentence that's really, really big. Um, yeah, there's not that much of that in this either, right? So like there's a lot there. How does a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Oh, my goodness. Doesn't it seem sometimes the bar is so high? It's, it's kind of like the other day when, when, I, when a couple weeks ago when I challenged you and I was, I was making an illustration as it relates to paper Bible and electronic Bibles, right? And I, and I made a statement 
about the way we respond to Scripture. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, I had so many people, and here, I just, here's what I want to do right now. I want to I give you freedom because there are people that said, hey, I use my electron, electronic Bible because I can switch translations really fast. Like, oh, that's good. So what I, my point wasn't that electronic Bibles are bad and paper Bibles are good. Right, my, that wasn't my point. My point was, how do we value Scripture? Right, that was, that was the point. But uh, when we look at these things, so often in life as we move forward, it's more of, man, these, this bar is set so high when you read Scripture. And we could all say, man, I want to see God. But my heart being pure, those are typically just moments Right, like it's one of those things where to sustain purity on my own ability is just one of those things that I I can't often accomplish. Like in Second Timothy, first, first uh, chapter two, Second Timothy, whoo, Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty one through twenty six says this: is if you keep yourself pure, right, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. And you're like, man, that's awesome that God will use us. If we keep ourselves pure, for your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. It says, run from anything that stimulates useful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish and ignorant arguments that only start fights a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Whoa. That's not fair, right? But be patient with difficult people and gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Oh, perhaps... God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will become, then they will come to their sense and escape the evil or the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And you read these portions of scripture and you're like, goodness, and there's so many times, especially in the New Testament, we could read lists about don't do this and don't do this and stay away from that. And it's like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do it all. And can I just tell you this morning, you can't. but you want to see God, right? So there seems to be this, this paradox, this struggle, right, between seeing God and being pure. And I want to illustrate this, this purity thing. I got these two magnets. You may not be able to see them depending on where you're sitting or online, uh, but I got these two magnets. And we, and we understand that magnets are great because magnets, they stick together, right? So, uh, and I think if we're going to use this illustration, I would say that what God desires for us is a relationship, a communion, a, a, a connection with his people. God desires relationship. And so like two magnets, when they stick together, let's just say for the sake of illustration this morning, that the, the God's relationship with us is like these two magnets. He wants, he wants us to stick, right, to stick together, stick close to him, to, to stay, if you're reading, you know, the illustration of the vine, to remain on the vine, as Jesus says, like, he wants us to stick to him. 
but we also know this truth. If you guys are science people, you know this truth about polarity and magnets, that, that if I turn these magnets, there's this, there's this, do you guys see that? Can you guys see this, this, um, there's, a, there's something stopping these things from coming together. Can you see it? No, you can't. It's invisible. <laughs> you can't see it. You can't. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to say, thank you for being that one. Bear, I love you. You are awesome. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, yeah, it, like there's something stopping these things from coming. To, like you, I can feel it. I can feel it. You can't feel it because you don't hold the magnets. But I do. But there's this, it feels like a bubble. It's in between these. There's something stopping these. There's, a, there's something that doesn't want these two things to come together. Right? And the illustration for us this morning is, is that's what unholiness does. Unholiness creates this gap between us and God. Unholiness or impurity, or can I say the word again? Can I say the word sin? Sin creates this gap between us and God that is causing us to not connect, not be together, not, not be there. Here's what God wants. God wants us to connect. But what happens is, is sin, unholiness, impurity of our life creates this, this gap between us and God. And so we understand the gospel story because God loves us and because God wants to have relationship with us. God sends his son Jesus to this earth and he dies on the cross as a sacrifice. So in many ways, what he does is he takes uh, the punishment of our sin on his shoulders and he is the sacrifice for that. So washes that away so that we can be made whole, so that we can be made clean, right? That's the whole, the reason we surrender and, and ask Jesus into our hearts, the reason we make Jesus Lord of our life is because it is because of the sacrifice of Jesus that we can connect with God, right? And that's what, it's, that's what the whole Jesus Easter story is. It's because of that, Sacrifice because of Jesus dying on the cross, rising again, overcoming sin, death, the grave, right? Overcoming that and then giving us an ability to be forgiven from our, from our faults, our wrongs, our failures, our inconsistencies, the inadequacies, the, the impurities, the unfaithfulnesses, the, the sin of our lives to cleanse us of all that. Why we take communion as a remembrance of what Jesus did to, as a, to cleanse us so that so that the sin that causes us to not be able to connect with God, the impurity, the unholiness, the, oh, that, oh, that bubble that is causing us not connect can go away and we can see God. And we can, that's, that's what this is all about. That's for us at faith. It's about finding and following. It's for us, we say, you know, finding and following God is about finding God in every area of your life and, and surrendering and submitting and saying, God, help me. And I give you my life and forgive me of my wrongs and help me to live. And there's this, right? So we go to this beatitude. It says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. Can I just kind of challenge you here with this phrase? And that is that I believe that surrender is the key to purity. And therefore, surrender is the key to seeing God. 
can, can I tell you today that it's not about proximity? What I would tell you, no matter where you're at in your life today, you are as close to God as you'll ever be. Can I encourage you with that? You've, you've heard me use illustrations about where I've had you uh, picture the most holy person you've ever met in your life. Right, the person who picks angel feathers out of their hair, you know, the person that doesn't walk, they hover. You know what I'm saying? That person, like picture that person who has the entire scripture memorized. Right? And then picture the most uh, vile, uh, away from God, you know, or destitute the, from God, you know, or de- the, the person that, we'll just use, can I use the word evil and be okay with it? Like, oh, like, Picture those two people, and sometimes we feel like, from a proximity standpoint, they are miles apart. And you've heard me say they're not miles apart. In many ways, they're right next to each other. The only difference between that person is one simple thing. It's a recognition of the sin in their life. And it it is an acceptance of who Jesus is and a surrender to Jesus. That's the only difference. It's, It's not a proximity conversation. So in other words, what I'm saying to you is the person who does not see God at all, does not acknowledge God, does not recognize God, does not act in any way godly, that person is just as close to God as the person who reads their Bible every day. And you say, how how can I say that? Well, because there's a couple things we believe about God, and I can't get into the theological things of this when I have time, but here's what we believe about God. We believe that God is omniscient, which means God knows everything, right? God knows it. God knows it all. We believe that God is uh, omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. That with a word, he created the world. You know what I mean? Like, God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing, but he's also omnipresent, which means he is everywhere. He is everywhere. It's the fun uh, conversation with scientists when they talk about a vacuum, and a vacuum is a place that is void of everything. And theologians would say, nope, there's still something in there. There may not be air there, but you cannot remove God from that space. God is everywhere. So if that is true, if God is everywhere and we believe that, which means then it's not a proximity conversation for us because if you're recognizing God's presence or not, it doesn't mean he's not there. It just means we're not recognizing him, which is why for us it's about finding him. If you read your Bible all day, it doesn't mean that you're closer to him. It just means that you're recognizing him, that your eyes are open, that you're taking intentional steps to open your eyes. And I just realized I'm walking back and forth. And those of you running the cameras, I am so sorry. Those of you who are watching online, again, so sorry. Go wide shot on the stage. I'll probably do it a couple more times, right? I just recognized that. Uh, I've preached at places, and they'll put a carpet square on the stage. They'll say, you can't leave the carpet square. I'm like, that is too restrictive. (laughs) So I'm so sorry for the camera. (laughs) My bad, people. My bad, my bad. Okay, anyways, but my point is, for those of you, see, here I go. For those of you who are reading your Bible every day and experiencing, you're just taking intentional efforts. You're, You're taking you're, you're making Jesus Lord of your life. You're saying, because you're Lord, I want to I know you more, so therefore I'm going to read your word, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to rec- I'm going to find you. I'm going to look for you. I'm going to listen to your voice. But again, it's not proximity. 
It's awareness. And what I will tell you is perspective will determine what you see. It's surrender to Jesus is the key to purity. And therefore, surrender is the key to seeing God. It's not proximity. What it's more, it's more like a lens. It's more like a lens in which we view things through. It's more like the lens. And some people's lenses are really, really cloudy. Uh, They're tinted really, really bad. You can't, some people's lens, they can't see through. But it's not, it's not because that's what God did. It's because their choices have clouded the lens. And so they don't see God. Can I tell you in our own life, the sin cloudies, clouds, cloudy. Cloudy is not a word, is it? Clouds. <laughs> All the English teachers in here, I know you love me. Grace, grace. Um, clouds, clouds the lens. The sin clouds the lens. I mean, think about it in our own lives when, when we're walking and we're trying. For those of you who've been in church for a long time and you're trying and you're trying and then, and then sin happens. Think of the emotional response to that that we have, the guilt, the shame, the distance that we create emotionally, not physically, but emotionally, right? When we, we just, oh, we, we kind of close in instead of open up. And so here, here's what I want to walk you through, this, the depth of this verse. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Uh, I, here, I want to see that not as, not as a bar we can't reach, but something to enjoy, something to experience, because those who see God will also be pure. I think that these things run both ways. And, and how do I understand? I, I think, again, reversing that, that, those who see God will be pure. How can you say that? Well, here's what I want you to understand. What we talked about last week in Philippians chapter 3, and when Paul was talking about righteousness. So if you were here last week, uh, you're going to remember this. If you weren't here last week, you can watch it online um, and catch this. But in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 18, I'm sorry, verse 8 through 14, you know, he says this. He says, yes, everything else is worthless. Talking about his background, his, his past. Everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness, self-righteousness, through obeying the law, the things I do. I no longer count that. He says, but rather I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one day or so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So to paraphrase, to bring this in, here's what it is. Paul's saying that my righteousness is not my own. It's not because of what I've accomplished. It's not because of what I've done. It's not, so again, righteousness, let's pause here for a second. Righteousness is the word we've used over the past few weeks. And we look at righteousness, I want you to know that righteousness and justice and justification, those two words are many times in scripture, they're very closely linked, okay? So if you see justice or righteous or righteousness or justification or just, those two words are very closely linked. And, and together, I want you to know that they appear, Old Testament and New Testament, those two words appear over 800 times in scripture. It is a constant conversation righteousness and justification. And here's why those two, two words are talked about so much. It's because what Jesus desires, what God desires for us is relationship. What God desires for us is, I'm going to use another word, big church word, reconciliation. He wants to reconcile our relationship with him. He wants relationship, okay? So here's, so the reason justification or righteousness are important is because the meaning of those terms, uh, have legal terms, a lot of different ways to look at it, but it's, it's about being justified or being in right standing. It's about being made, uh, right. So when we are made right, we are in right standing with God. So those two words speak to the, the emotional connection we have with God because what separates us from God? Unholiness, impurity, sin. So if we are made right, if we are forgiven of that sin, if we are forgiven of that unholiness, if we are forgiven of that unrighteousness, we are made, we are justified or made righteous, right? That is gone, no longer held against us. We now have, we're made right, we can have relationship with God, Okay. So what Paul is saying here is my righteousness is not my own. It's not because of what I've done. It's not because of what I've accomplished. It's not because of my teaching and my training. I haven't passed enough tests. I haven't done enough things. I haven't done enough good works. He said, none of that. I count all that as garbage. That's nothing. You know what matters to me? My righteousness is due to one thing. What did he say in that scripture? It's due to my faith. My faith in Jesus. So simply saying my faith in Jesus is what makes me Righteous is what puts me in right standing with God, which allows me to move from this experience to this experience. I should have got bigger magnets, especially my hands are so like they're. But it's it's righteousness moves me from ah they don't go together. I mean I could force them, but that would be not right. So to this, that's righteousness. That's justification. It's and he's saying, that is a direct result of my faith in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross, was the sacrifice, took my sin, my unholiness, my unfaithfulness, right? My impurity. And he made me clean, cleansed me. So I can now have relationship with him. And so this, that's why this thing works both ways. Because it goes back to the Isaiah verse that we saw before, that we read a couple weeks ago when he says, uh, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, right? 
and he describes what he sees, the, 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 the angelic beings that are flying around and, and God's presence filled the, filled the room, like the train of his robe filled the room. Like it was this amazing moment. And Isaiah's initial response is he's telling the story of what he experienced is, oh, I am unholy. Because what I know is when, when you see God, that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago, right? Those uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's the beatitude we were talking about a few weeks ago in this one. And so what, what we understand is when we, when we see God, the initial reaction is we see our brokenness, right? But here's what's super important when you see God is your response. Your response. How do you respond? So, so what we would use in church terms, again, being a little churchy today, what we would use in church terms is when we see God, the reality of what's happening there, the, what the glimpse is what's happening. Remember, God's with us. So in every situation, every circumstance, when we see God, the word that the church uses for that, you ready for this one? It's the word we use called conviction. Conviction. Conviction is this moment. It's this feeling of recognize that something's not right. It, it is a moment of decision. Conviction is God revealing himself to you. And what it, when God reveals himself to you, what's happening is you are seeing the holy God and you are recognizing the unholy humanness. And so what happens there is you're, you're identifying that things are not aligned. And what's important for us in that moment is our response. Do we surrender to God? Isaiah sees God's presence and says, oh, I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. In other words, I am not worthy. I do not belong here. What is there and what is here are not the same. And God's response to his response is taking a coal from the altar and cleansing him and making him righteous or justifying him, bringing him back in right relationship with God. Right? So look at this. Blessed are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Oh, what, what I'm telling you here is that when God reveals himself to you, your response makes all the difference in the world. Because it's not something you can do. You can't do enough to see God. There's not a test. There's not an online assessment. There's not a list of things that you do. Be like, hey, if I do all these things, can I see God? No, you cannot. That's not the way this works. But what happens is in moments of life, God will reveal himself to you and the way you respond in that moment makes the difference of whether you see him fully or just get a glimpse for a moment. It makes all the difference. When conviction comes, when in those moments, the decision and what, what, what Jesus is saying here is blessed 
are those whose hearts are pure. Why? Because they will see God. They will walk with God. They will experience God. They will see him in every, they will find him in every area of their life. They will see God in every aspect of every moment, in every decision, in every circumstance, in every, in every setting, in every conversation, in every relationship. They will see God. But it's reversed because when you see God and when you surrender to God, he will make you pure. So now there's a word that we talk about called sanctification. Oh, man, sanctification, what a powerful word. And the word sanctification, church word, right, is about being made holy. It's the process of becoming holy. Sanctification is that process of becoming. Sanctification, right, is is the act of making something clean or holy. So what happens is, is when, because of Jesus' sacrifice, when we surrender to him and accept our sin, accept our mistakes, and we give them to him in Jesus' loving kindness and his mercy, he forgives us and he, in the process of sanctification of making us holy, which makes us righteousness, righteous, which gives us righteousness. And what is it a result? A lot of big words, right? Doggone it. Woo! All that is, I'm so sorry, why do I do that? It's so weird. Uh, but all of that sanctification, which brings us to righteousness, all of those church words are about this, are about God's desire to have relationship with you. And not just momentary relationship, but daily, daily relationship. Ongoing relationship. Remember the word blessed means this ongoing perpetual state of being, this perpetual state of happiness. This, think about that. So blessed, that person is the one who sees God, who walks with God daily, who walks with God in every situation, in every circumstance, in every conversation, every decision, who walks with God. But it's the person who sees God as the person that's holy because when we see God and we, we surrender, he makes us holy, and when he makes us holy, we see God, and these things keep moving back and forth and circle around, and we see more of God. As we surrender more of God, we see more of God. So here, here, here's this. I have the worship team come on up. I'm going to give you a couple of things here today. And, and uh, here's my, remember, my picture, ponder, and pray, right? This is the Sermon on the Mount thing that I started. Here's what I want you to picture. I want you to picture your life as a path to be traveled with multiple turns, options, and obstacles to navigate. The life that you live is a path to be followed. And along this path, as we put one foot in front of the other, and we do one day at a time, one step at a time. Again, that phrase isn't about proximity to God. It's about walking with God. It's about taking a step with God. It's about walking. So sometimes we have more faith and we take big steps. And sometimes our faith is, is, is maybe a weaker and we take smaller steps. But it's not about proximity. We're not taking steps to God. No, no, no. We're taking steps with God. That's a big difference. So for us here, it's, it's, it's this path that we're walking. And along the way, there are options, there are turns, there are obstacles. And how we navigate those obstacles depend on what we see. 
if there's a fork in the road, which way to go, and the Lord will lead us, how do we, do we surrender? Do we follow him? Or do we go our own way? And the perspective will determine what you see. When, 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 you, when you're navigating life, are you following God? Or are you doing your own thing? Because when you do your own thing, your perspective will determine what you see. I want to see God. How can I see God? By following him. By surrendering. So I want you to picture this life. And there's turns. And there's options. And there's obstacles. But think about this path. What's the Bible tell us? That his word is a lamp to the path, a light, a light to the path, lamp to our feet. Like his word. How does a young man stay pure? By obeying his word. That, that if we just surrender and follow, he will light the way for us. It's, we'll see God if we surrender and we follow. Here's what I want you to ponder today. And this was actually sent to me this week. So Cindy, thank you. Cindy sent me a text just talking about that these questions have been a great, um, they've talked about them in their home. It's been a great conversation piece for, for her. I love that. I love that. You guys, I love that. So thank you for sharing that. And she found one and she sent it to me. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. It's, and here it is. Here's what was sent to me. Here's the question. Here's, here's what I want you to ponder. In our own lives, we repent enough to be forgiven, but do we surrender enough to be changed? Oh, it's a good one. You know, here at Faith, just who we are, we're a more type church. I say it all the time. I believe God has more for you. I believe that as you surrender to God, you'll see him more. You'll see the process of sanctification is the process of becoming pure. I believe as you as you see him, as you respond, as you surrender to God, you will become more and more sanctified or pure. And you'll see him more. I believe that that's, that's the process. But sometimes we live in the world of forgiveness. We repent enough to be forgiven, which means we're in heaven. Woo! But, you know, you think about this day in heaven and you think about showing up, right? And, and I don't know if you're like me, but this is the way I live and, and this, is, this is what I want. And when, when that day comes, when I am going to be face-to-face with God, you know, you know what I, I don't, my goal is not to just make heaven, right? That's not my goal. That, my goal is not to show up and go, that was close. But I made it, you know? Like, that's, that's not my goal. You know what my goal is? I, I literally, I, I know it's arrogant, so just go with me. It's my story. It's my story. But I, I want to show up to heaven one day. I don't want to be walking through heaven. And again, it's my story, so just go with me for a minute, right? This is my story. I want to be walking through heaven. And here's what I want. I want Jesus to be standing in a circle with a bunch of his friends just talking, just sitting around, hanging out, having a conversation. And out of, out of the corner of his eye, I want him to see me. Right? And, and I want him to stop what he is doing. 
right? And I want Jesus to turn to me. I want him to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Oh, that's what I want. I'm not interested in just showing up to heaven and going, yes, that was close. No, 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 I want my life to matter. I want, I want my life to count. I want to live my life with purpose. I want to honor God with who I am and, and everything that I do. I want to honor him. I want him to be glorified in who I, I want him to be glorified in me. I want people to see God as a result of me following him. And I, I want Jesus to respond to me with the phrase, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And so this process of walking through this, is it, we, we, we ask for, we repent enough for forgiveness that we surrender enough to be changed. And as we stand here today, I'll give you the prayer at the end. But as we stand here today, that's the challenge. Whether you're online or you're here in this room, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it like this. I want you to ask yourself that question. Have we repented enough to be forgiven? But have you surrendered enough to be changed? And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm going old school today. And if you're here today and you say, you know what? I may have repented enough to be forgiven, but I have not surrendered enough to be changed. And I want to be changed I want to be made holy. I want to be purified. Why? Because when I'm purified, I will see God. And I want to see God more. And if that's you, you ready? Old school right here. I want you to come forward and pray at the altar. I want you to make a public declaration of your commitment to surrender to Jesus today. Yep, I said it. more of God. I want to see him more. I'm going to pray, and as they sing, if that's you, I encourage you to spend some time with the Lord. But if you say, I haven't surrendered enough to be changed, but today that changes, I want you to come forward. There'll be some people here, if you need prayer, that will, prayer, that will pray for you. But let me pray, and then we're going to worship. Father, again, we just thank you for your goodness. God, help us to see you. Make us holy. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that forgives me of my sin and my unrighteousness. And God, we give it to you. And we ask, Lord, help us to see you. Help us to know you. Help us to find you and help us to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that God spoke to you through today's message. If you want to know more about Faith Church, text CONNECT to 419-664-4555. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening, and may you find and follow Jesus in all you do.